You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Miss Ann. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you. I think this is going to be a special message. I'm not sure why, except that I had something planned on that series that I started a couple of weeks ago. But the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me do that. I don't pray very much about what to preach. I'm going to be honest with you. Because I never saw the, the, the apostles praying about what to preach. They had a word in them. They preached it. Right. But I do leave myself open to, to the guidance of the Spirit just in case he's not, not on track with what I'm about to do. I listened to him to change me. And he changed me this morning. Told me to preach this instead. So here it comes. Are you ready? It's a new day. It's a new day. Hebrews chapter 9. Take your Bible and turn there if you would. To verse 1. Hebrews 9, 1. A new day has arrived. We're going to talk about what it means. that The new covenant means a new day has arrived in God's time timetable. The history of the world is divided basically in two. Before Christ and after Christ. And verse 1 of Hebrews 9 says, Then verily the first covenant, meaning the Old Testament, the law, had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. I'm shocked that he calls something that God instituted, God instituted in the earth worldly. Worldly. God's service through worldly means just as worldly as anything man-made. It was worldly. The Old Testament, the, the law, was all about worldly things. We talk we, about the flesh. It's not about the spirit at, at all. Not a faith. Paul said the, the, the law is not a faith. So what's it of? The world. It's about the world. Verse 2, and let me tell you what the, how that translates. Paul said the law is good if it's used lawfully. Well, what's the lawful way to use the law? With the world, because it's worldly. The law was made to create society's laws, not to, pay, not to create your personal laws. Keeping the law, stopping at the stop sign does not make you righteous. It just it doesn't, but it does keep you safe. Keeps you alive. It does not make you right with God. It cannot make you right with God. Keeping the laws, no law can keep you right with God, make you right with God, or keep you that way. But it's for the world it's to operate in this world. That's what the law was for. It's worldly. You get that? You understand that? 
you hear a preacher talk, talking to you about keeping the Ten Commandments to be right with God, turn that off. And don't go back there. That guy needs to get saved himself. For there was a tabernacle made first, the first wherein was this candlestick, and the table, and the showbread, and the and the and and is which is called the sanctuary. That's the inner court, not the not the holy of holies, but the inner court. There were three tiers to the tabernacle, if you remember. There's the outer court, like the foyer out there. The inner court, which is like where we are right right here, the sanctuary it was called. And then there was the holy of holies, which is back here. You saw that we 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 uh, we we did this with people standing up here last year sometime. Was that two years ago or one year ago? The outer court, the inner court, and the holiest of all. After the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, the holy of holies. This is where the high priest himself went in. And he tells us what was in there, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had the manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. Now, now a few weeks ago, I talked to you about the authority of the Word of God, the authority of the written Word, the authority of the preached Word, and the authority of Jesus, the Word. That's what these three things stand for. That's what they uh, are, are uh, symbols of. The bread is Christ. He is that bread from heaven. The bud, the budded rod, is the authority of the man of God to preach the word, uh, the man on earth, which was Aaron at, at the time. And then the, the tables of the covenant, which is the Bible. The bread, the bud, and the Bible. Help, help you remember that. All three manifestations of the, word, of the Word of God. God has a desire to manifest His Word to you, to speak to you. He has a, has a desire for you to have communication with Him. You understand that? Integrity in a relationship is a two-way street. It has to, has to be, be, be both ways. Both people have to have covenant relationship and make their, make their promises to one another and keep them. Verse 5, and over, the, and over it the cherubim of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak per particularly. <laughs> they don't, they didn't, uh, weren't able to talk at length about it because it wasn't really sure, they weren't really sure. They think at one time it might, might, have, might have been changed because Lucifer and Isaiah was called the covering cherub. But there are two cherubs on there. Two cherubs on here. Two angels on top of that, that mercy seat. Those two angels would represent Gabriel and Michael. Gabriel, the preaching ministry. Michael, the prayer ministry. The third one that used to be up there was Lucifer, the praise ministry. He was in charge of praise and worship in heaven. You understand that? There should have been three, three up there on that mercy seat. Gabriel the preacher, Michael the prayer warrior, and Lucifer the praise leader. What does that sound like to you? What does praise, prayer, and preaching sound like to you? Church on Sunday morning. This is why we do what we do. This is going on in heaven right now. Glory to God. Going on in heaven right now. What we do here is not just not just uh, not just a perfunctory thing that we do because we're Christians. This is what's going on in heaven. We're shadowing Amen. what's happening in glory right now. Hallelujah. 
They're preaching in glory right now. They're praising in glory right now. Somebody's praying in heaven right now. Glory to God. Amen. That's that's why we do it here, to, to link ourselves with heaven. But Lucifer got ousted, as you know, and God raised you up to take His place. You are the choir of heaven now. Amen. Amen. You're the choir of heaven. The worshipers of God. Amen. Verse 6 says, Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the tabernacle accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone, once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The high priest existed for one reason, to deal with the errors of God's people. He did not, he did not exist to help the Canaanites. He did not exist to help the world. He did not exist to help Egyptians. He did not exist to help anybody but the people of God. You have a high priest today in Jesus Christ, not to save the world. He's not there to save the world. He's there to make sure you get saved. You are ultimately saved. He's there for you today. He's only there for the people of God and the heirs of the people of God. He died on the cross as a Savior, as a savior for the world. But He sits at the right hand of the throne of God for you. Because there's a man beside God. There's a man seated on the throne of God. That means men can go to heaven, glory to God. Get doors open to man. There's a man seated on the throne. I thought he was God. He is. He's God man. Man God. He's my God and he's my man. Glory to God. He's still the son of man. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Glorified man, what you're going to be. Does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when we we shall see him, we shall be like him. Glory to God. Amen. The high priest existed for one reason, to deal with the errors of God's people. Romans 5.10, put that up there for me, please. Romans 5.10. It's a wonderful verse of Scripture. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Anybody believe that's true? We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son when we were enemies. When we were enemies. Much more. If you believe that's true, you've got to believe this is true. Much more. We shall be saved because He's alive. Praise God. If you're sure you did get saved, you can be much more sure you're going to be saved. You're going to stay saved. Amen, because Jesus is alive. If you're ever sure you were saved, you can be much more sure that you're going to be saved in the end. Amen, because you're not saved because of how you, how you perform. You're saved because how well He performs in heaven right now. Glory to God. I think He's doing a good job. He's kept me for decades now. Glory to God. He's doing a good job. On the cross, Jesus was a savior for the whole world, but the, the mercy seat, but on the mercy seat, he is a high priest for the believers only. He's not watching to make sure that you don't sin. Just in case you do, hand me that lightning bolt real quick. I'm going to get that one. Sorry, bum. I saved you and then you did that. No, he's there to oversee and to secure your arrival in heaven. That's what a high priest means. Amen. Y'all be, y'all be shouting over this. You see, somebody said, that, well, I got delivered once, but, I, but I'm backslid and I'm not, 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 not saved now. Well, you weren't, weren't delivered then. Yeah. 
Dylan, did you used to de deliver the mail? Just because you took it out of the mailbox, was that, was that piece delivered? <laughs> Somebody put a stamp on, a, on an envelope, on a, on a, and you took it out of their mailbox, they put a stamp on it to go to New York City. Was that delivered once you took it out of the mailbox? It wasn't, was it? It wasn't delivered yet. That's what everybody thinks of. They think, I got delivered from sin. Oh, no, you're not delivered until you get to heaven. You're not delivered until you get to where you're supposed to be. God didn't save you just from sin. He saved you for heaven. Amen. Amen. You're delivered when you get to heaven. That's good preaching right there. The Holy Ghost is signifying, verse 8, the Holy Ghost is signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure of the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the, to the conscience. No matter how many times they, did, they went through this ritual, it did not make them perfect. <laughs> it could not fix anything. It was a sad state of affairs. But listen to this. The new covenant makes you perfect on the inside first. The new covenant makes you perfect on the inside first. I love this Hebrews 10.14. Just put that up there for me. Hebrews 10.14 says something really wonderful. For by one offering... For by one offering he hath perfected forever. How long? Forever. Them that are sanctified. How did he do that? By what you do or by what he did? By one offering he hath perfected for how long? Forever. forever. Them that are being sanctified. Them that are sanctified. Glory to God. Glory to God. This is good news today. I'm using that sledgehammer against your religion. Breaking down your walls today. You're going to live for God. You're going to live for God. You're going to live for God. Because He lives in you. He lives in you. And when you get this in your mind that you are the child of God, you'll act like Him. I never want, never once dangled my kids over, over hell or told them they were going to go to hell if they did a certain thing. And they all live for God their whole life, walk with God today. Because they, didn't, they did not serve Him out of fear. They serve Him out of love. Yes. You love somebody and you know you're loved. You're going to, act, you're going to behave better because of the love. Amen. We love him because he first loved us. Amen. Verse 10. Which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and, and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. The word reformation means to setting things straight. Just setting things straight. Reforming the, the crooked. This year we're, we're, we're celebrating 500th anniversary of the nailing of a five, uh, 95 point thesis, uh, or 95 point sermon, if you will, that Martin Luther, the uh, angry German monk, yeah. wrote on October the 31st, 1517, 500 years ago. Yeah. And in that, he was setting the church straight. Yeah. Setting the church straight on how forgiveness comes and how you keep that forgiveness. All kinds of religions have all kinds of ways to get right with God, but there's really just one way, through faith in what Jesus did. Amen. We say our prophet was perfect because he was perfect. He was a prophet, okay. He was more than a prophet. 
more than, far more than a prophet. He was perfectly man and perfectly God. And never sinned a sin, never did anything wrong. He set the record straight for man. Till God called him the last Adam. Meaning he's going to be God's last view of man. The first Adam was Adam in the garden. God called Jesus the last Adam, which means it's his last view of man. He refuses to see man imperfect anymore. He sees him like he sees Jesus as man. Adam, the last Adam. Not the second one, the last one. You and I fit somewhere between the old one, the first one, and the last one. If Jesus is the last Adam, we're before him. We're between Adam and Adam. You see that? We're not following after. Jesus is the last, last view that God will ever have of you. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. That's, that's awesome. That means, that means you don't do a thing but believe. Nurture your heart in faith every day. Nurture your heart in faith every day. Keep the Word alive in your heart, strong. And this will keep you connected to Jesus in ways you, do, you can't even imagine. You'll find your intimacy with Him goes deep because your love for Him grows. Fearing God doesn't make you right with God. Loving God does. Amen. Verse 11. For Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this, not of this building. Good things to come. When I was in church growing up, I, I, I was always impressed with impending doom. Yeah. <laughs> Not good things to come, it's always doom and gloom coming. You understand that? Doom and gloom always coming instead of good things to come. But Christ, Christ being made a high priest of good things to come, He's not a high priest to terrorize you about the end times. He's a high priest to tell you about good things to come. We have good things coming to us. Glory to God. Amen. Good things. Good things. Anybody here go through the Great Depression? Everybody too young to go through the Great Depression? My uncle said to me one day, we were talking about the Great Depression, and my grandfather was a, was a young man going through the Great Depression. My grandpa reigns. And I was talking to his son, my uncle, Wayne, and uh, we were talking about the Great Depression and all that. And Wayne said, John, you know what's worse than going through the Great Depression? I said, no. He said, been raised by somebody that did. <laughs> because the Depression's long gone, but it's still in his mind. Still in his mind. John Milton said in Paradise Lost, the mind is its own place, and in itself can make a heaven of hell, a hell of heaven. The mind gets loaded up with sin consciousness, and you can't even enjoy your life today. God does not want that for you. He wants you to live in the joy of the, of the Lord, the joy that comes from knowing Christ. Amen. You can ask, yes, most people are you going to heaven and say, I hope so. You ask some people, you do, you, I'm telling you, church folks, you're going to heaven, well, I sure hope so. That tells me you're not. Or you don't know. You should know. You can know that you're saved. You can know that you're going to heaven. Amen. Glory to God. 
You know, the book of Acts has the word hell in it two times. Has the word hell in it two times. You know what, you know what it's in reference to? That Jesus went to hell. Not one time did they tell anybody they're going to hell. They said Jesus went to hell for you. So you don't have to go. Amen. Two times it's in the book of Acts. Both times we're talking about when Jesus died and went to hell. Y'all know he went to hell, don't you? He stayed there three days. He came back to life. Glory to God. He went there so you don't have to go. I said he went there so you don't have to go. I'm not going to hell because Jesus already went there for me. Glory to God. Verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having, entered, having obtained eternal redemption for us. The reason they had to do it over and over all the time is because the lamb was one year old. The paschal lamb was a yearling. And as a yearling, his blood would only, only cover for how long? One year. But then when Jesus died, what blood did he have? Eternal blood. Oh, glory to God. He had to put up Acts 20:28. 20, Acts 20:28 20, just came to my mind. Acts 20, 28 says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. God, when did God have blood? God had blood? When did that happen? God had blood in Jesus' body. Amen. That proves he was God right there. He purchased with his own blood. God did. In the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And that, that blood is eternal. Yeah. That blood is everlasting. It's good forever. It never need, need to be redone. Never need, don't need to be saved twice or three times or four times like I used to get saved all the time. <laughs> Had to get saved over and over and over. Anybody, anybody have that history in your life? You know? Because they were all tell, always telling you you were going to hell. Yeah. I got so tired of the turn and burn stuff. Verse 13, for if, I, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to, be, to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience? How much more shall this purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How much more? He does not purge our conscience if we serve God. He purged our conscience so we could serve God. He does not purge your conscience if you serve God. He purged your conscience so you could serve God. Amen. Amen. Verse 15, And to this cause He is a mediator. For this cause He is a mediator of the New Testament that by the means of death and for the redemption of the transgressors that were under the law, under the First Testament, the law, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. How long is your inheritance going to last? Eternal. That starts now. Eternity is not just after, after your life. You're in, you're in eternity right now. Amen. For where the testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Listen to these words very carefully. For where a testament is, there must also be of necessity be the death of the testator, the one who wrote the testament. Or, or, or a will, like your last will and testament. Well, a testament is a force after men that are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all, 
how the tester liveth. What a perverted joke that the, the world plays on people. Perverted joke that the, the church world plays on people. They tell them, come to Jesus, come get saved today. Give up your life and get, take his life and you can be saved today. And when you die, you get an inheritance. What kind of trick is that? When I die, when is it that the inheritors, the inheritors, the beneficiaries, have to die to get their inheritance? It's supposed to be the one, the one that wrote the will to die that puts their inheritance in force. You have access to your inheritance right now. Yes. Right now. Glory to God. You have a right to your inheritance right now. Glory to God. Not just when you die. That's a terrible thought. My Uncle Wayne, again, is quite, quite a wealthy man. If he put me in his will and, and I went into that lawyer's office and sat down, I'd be thinking, oh, man, I love my Uncle Wayne. I love my Uncle Wayne. I love my Uncle Wayne. <laughs> if they said, John, to John, I leave all my earthly goods, oh, it'd be, it'd be significant. But John, you only get it after you die. Uncle Wayne goes from being, I love him, to I hate his guts. <laughs> That's why people act that way about God. They don't see him as good. This tells you something very important. The New Testament, listen to this, this tells you something very, very important. You need to hear me. The New Testament did not come into force until after Jesus died. Not when he was, when he, when he was, was born, not when he was walking the earth in the flesh and blood, but after he died. So Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, except for the last chapter or two of them, are all under the law. All under the law. Genesis is more, more pertinent to you than they are because they were written under the law. Genesis is not under the law. That's why Paul gathers most of his information and his centerpiece scripture out of Genesis to promote the idea of justification by faith. Amen. 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 Now the promises of God that Jesus made, all the promises of God are, are yes and amen. All of them. All of them in the Old Testament. All of them that Jesus promised in the New Covenant, in the, in the, in the, in the Gospels as, a, as they're called. All of that is yours. Every promise God ever made anyway is yours. I said every promise. Every promise. The promise of life, health, peace, prosperity, glory to God. Somebody needs to get rich in this church. I got three, three that agree. Somebody needs to get rich in this church. I thought you'd like that. Why not? Somebody's going to get rich. Might as well be you. Somebody's going to get blessed. Somebody might as well be you. Somebody's going to be healed. Somebody's going to be blessed. Somebody's going to get rich. Somebody's going to be healed. Somebody's going to have a good marriage. Amen. Glory to God. Everybody said that one. Verse 18. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats and water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things, listen to this, 
are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission. Why? Why? Why blood? Why blood? I had to ask myself this question. Why so much talk of blood? Why wouldn't water work? Why wouldn't oil work? Why? Why? And it hit me one day. Y'all heard me teach this before. Why did Adam lose in the garden? Really? He did not lose, as is often thought, he did not lose the ability to hear God's voice. Remember, remember Adam, Adam, where are you? He heard God's voice the day he sinned. Apparently what he lost was the, God, was the ability to talk to God, not to hear God's voice, but to talk to God. Because he said, Lord, I was afraid. He had never, God had never heard that come out of Adam's mouth before, fear. Fear is not the language of God. Fear, if fear is what's motivating you, you understand God's not going to be in that with you. He's not going to help you be, be afraid. God is moved by one thing and one thing only. Not by need, not by, by your fear, not by your desires, but, but He's moved by faith. Amen. He's a faith God. And so, I believe what happened was Adam lost the ability to talk to God. It shows up in Cain's life too, the next generation. Where's your brother? I don't know. Am I my, my brother's keeper? Is this how you talk to God? Peter, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. What? You said you never had anything common or unclean in your mouth and you don't know how to pray? You're a Jew. Who, if, you, if you Jews don't know how to pray, who in the world knows how to pray? Yeah. They, they heard Jesus praying and they knew they did not know how to pray. Yeah. Call God, God instead of Father. Romans eight twenty six. Paul even says it like this. For we do not know how to pray as we ought to, but the Spirit Himself helps our infirmities. We can pray because we have the Spirit, but in our mind, in our natural mind, we still don't know how to pray. Don't know how to pray. We lost the ability to talk to God. Ah, but then comes the blood. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 10. First time, first mention of blood in the Bible. This is interesting if you listen to this. The first mention of the word blood in the Bible is Genesis 4 and 10. And we find out why, why it has to be about blood all the time. This repairs that breach of what we lost. And he said, What hast thou done? God said to Adam, uh, to Cain rather, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. The voice of the blood. Adam didn't hear that voice. Didn't hear the blood talking. Eve didn't hear the blood talking. Cain didn't hear the blood talking. But God heard the blood speak. Because blood apparently speaks God's language. When you can't speak, you use the blood. Amen. Now here's how you do that. Here's how you use the blood. The disciples never once ever applied the blood. They applied the name that carried the blood. When you say the name of Jesus to, to the Father, you're saying the blood works. I believe in the blood. When you use Jesus' name, you're using the blood of a man there. Glory to God. You're talking about the blood when you use His name. Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. Not Jesus of glory. Not Jesus of heaven. Paul said at one point, said, Lord, who are you? In that conversation he had when he got saved, 
who are you? And Jesus said, and Paul's telling of this in, in chapter 22, he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. He seated at the right hand of God and still identifies with that that's the little town in north, northern Israel. I am Jesus of Nazareth. You hear me? He's still a man in heaven, glory to God. And when you say his name, you're using the blood right there. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Blood is applied. Adam lost the ability to speak to God, but he could hear God's voice. But when Jesus came, shed his own blood, put it on the mercy seat in heaven, put it, applied it to our lives, he gave us back the authority to use his name and apply the blood through that, through that venue. Verse 23, look at this. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. With what? The, the, blood, the, the sacrifices of blood from bulls and goats. That's what it means by these. But the heavenly things, the heavenly things, with better sacrifices than these. What? Heaven was purified by, with blood too? Wow. Think about that. It said the earthly, the worldly sanctuary was purified by the blood of bulls and goats, but it was necessary the heavenly things, the heavenly, see what, what was in, in um, Moses' tabernacle was just a pattern of what was really in heaven. Just like this church service today is a pattern of what was, is really going on, on in heaven, you see. He said this blood of Jesus took back to glory, purified heaven. You thought heaven was perfect, didn't you? We, we call it perfect from where we, we see it. Have you ever seen that commercial where women wash two babies' bibs? Says, is this, is this clean? It looks, looks, looks really clean. Well, in Clorox, it's really clean. And they hold it, they hold it up beside the other one, and then the first one looks dirty then, you see? It looked perfectly, perfectly clean the first time, but in, and when you hold it up to the really white one, it looked dirty. That's how purified Jesus' blood made heaven. Amen. It looked okay until he got there. And his blood even made heaven better. God. His blood even made heaven better. Imagine what it will do for you. Imagine what it has done for you. Amen. The blood works. Amen. That's why. And he's old negative too. You know that. Jesus' blood is old negative. It mixes, it mixes with all other bloods. Amen. Glory to God. O negative. Universal donor. Verse 24. For Christ has not entered into the holy places made, without hand, made, made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Everybody say, for us. For us. For us. For us. For us. For us. He did all He did for us. Hebrews 3.1. I'm, I'm going to end with this. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. The apostle and the high priest of your confession. What's that, what does that say to you? He's your high priest there to mediate for you. He's also your apostle. An apostle is a sent one. He was sent as God's apostle when he walked the earth, from heaven to earth. But today he's our apostle sent back to God. And it's a, an, an indication in the word apostle, apostolon, means one sent with a message. 
one sent with a message. So Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, God, with a message from us to Him, to God. He says He's the high priest of our profession. That means what you're saying on earth, He's singing in God's ear right now. The things you say, that make you want to watch your tongue, won't it? Watch your tongue. Because He's going to say to the Father's ear what you say to Him. He's saying what you say. You say, I'm healed, I'm blessed, I'm highly favored. That's what he says to the Father. That one says he's blessed and healed and highly favored. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. High priest of our profession. High high priest of what we say. Glory to God. Let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this great church, this fine audience of people who hear this word today. Bless them, Father. Bless them, bless them, bless them. Bless them, bless them, bless them, Father. Bless them with, with power. Bless them with grace to hear this word today. Bless them with the purity of the blood, amen, and knowledge. I know they already have it, but let them have it in knowledge. Let them know that every time they open their mouth, you're listening to say something good for them, to the Father. Bless them. Bless your church, my Father, with words of uplifting words. Kind words, strong words, grace words. Let their, let their speech be always seasoned with grace. And thank you for the blood today. Thank you for the power of the blood of God. That washed away our sins and makes us new, that makes us live victorious in, in this life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you're here today with your heads bowed just for a minute, if you're here today and you can't honestly say, I know I'm saved. I have good news for you. You are in the right place. God brought you here to get you saved today, bring you into His family, because He loves you so much. He wants you to know Him like He knows you. You can know God today. If you're here today and you say, I'd like you to pray for me, that's all I'm going to ask you to do is raise a hand. Say, pray for me so I can be saved today. So I know... I know who I am in Christ so I, can, so I can figure out what God wants for my life. Be Wash away my sins and be brand new. Is that you today? All right. God bless you. Come on, Pastor Casey. Thank you, Father. Thank you, my God. Lifted up and defeated.